This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of January 26, 2020. The Great Buying Part 2 continues as Atwater goes to the Rockies. My, hasn't BrewDog done well? Can Pabst go craft? I need a ruling. And Two Buck Chuck is back to its proper price, at least in some places. All this and more on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany V. Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. All right, hey, uh, top story. So Atwater has sold to Molson Coors, uh, 10th and Blank Beer Company, the U.S. craft beer division of multinational beer maker Molson Coors Beverage Company will acquire Detroit's Atwater Brewery for an undisclosed sum. Aren't they all undisclosed now? Like, we never get to know. Basically. In terms of the deal. Know how many ballast points it was. Yeah, we'll never know. I think that's what said it, is no one ever wants to be embarrassed that bad. Right. Uh, terms of the deal were not disclosed, and the transaction is expected to close within the next couple of months, according to a press release. Atwater is the first U.S. craft brewery that Tintham Blake has purchased since the mid-2016, uh, when it went on a buying spree and acquired three small producers, Georgia's Terrapin Brewing, Texas uh, Revolver Brewing, and Oregon's Hop Valley Brewing. Well, at least they, you know, a lot of different markets that they got into there. Uh, in the span of three weeks, they bought those three. Like yeah, okay. That's a that's a big shopping spree. Tintham Blake's portfolio also includes the St. Archer Brewing, uh, AC Golden Brewing, and Jacob Leinenkugel Brewing Brands. I did not realize that was the actual name of that company. Line and Google? The Jacob Line and Google Brewing Brands. <laughs> oh, yeah. That that was when, uh, when we did the uh, the whole Coors episode, uh, like the whichever Coors it was. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That came over, like Line and Google was one of the other names of people that like he immigrated with. Ah, that's right. Um, reached by phone, Atwater owner CEO Mark Wright said that the deal would enable a 23-year-old craft brewery to expand its presence throughout Michigan and the Midwest. There is still a lot of room... Uh, there's still a lot of... I want to say room to run, but that doesn't make sense. There's a lot of run room in our home market, he said. Having a strategic strategic partner like Molson Coors will help us get to the next level. Um, I think they follow up saying that maybe they were born to run. <laughs> they do. They were born to run outside the borders of michigan <laughs> but they just need a little help with that uh, as a regional brewery competing with eight thousand other breweries we were very happy to grow uh, atwater is known for its dirty blonde and vanilla java porter offerings but it also jumped into the crowded hard seltzer markets so that that seems to be pushing everyone so that's that's just a thing yeah well i mean that was everyone's hope i feel like last last year of like oh how can i how can i you know make that jump into the next tier what if we do a hard seltzer what if you just make good beer well yeah what if what if you let the beer speak for itself i don't know maybe yeah. but i mean maybe maybe they just really wanted some seltzers i you know i can't also fault them for making something just 
So uh, Atwater was ranked by the Brew Association as the fifth largest craft beer maker in Michigan in 2018, trailing behind uh, Founders, who would obviously be number one. And number two is Kalamazoo-based Bell's Brewery. Then you got Shorts Brewing, then New Holland. That's about right, mm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear all those brands? It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. They exist. Although I'm surprised Shorts is above New Holland. Because mm. I never hear about anything for from Shorts, really. Well, what uh, we'll transition here in a minute, because if you remember, New Holland has a distribution deal with another one of our uh, stories mm-hmm. about getting getting their stuff out to market. Atwater has been a staple and leader in the Michigan craft community for more than two decades, and we're thrilled to have them join Tenth and Blake. Paul Verdu, the vice president of Tenth and Blake, said at a press release. Our priority is to make sure their best beer is enjoyed by consumers throughout their core markets and eventually across the Great Lakes region. Mm-hmm. I don't even know the last time I, was, I saw... They used to carry it up at Jungle Gems. I haven't really noticed them if they still have that water. They may have stopped distributing this area. Might have. Might have been part of something. But maybe you'll see them again soon now. So... I could go on and on and on about this. Uh, Atwater has 95 employees, and they will, uh, I'm guessing, continue to work there. One would hope. <laughs> but yeah, um, a long story. <laughs> the, so they, the 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 craft buy up is still going strong, just because some companies said, "Ah, eh, we're not going to do it anymore," and then they see a dangling fat and worm they... and have to get it. Doesn't mean everyone else is done buying. This is. By the way, as the article points out, this is the fourth significant announcement Molson Coors has made in the last three months. Mm. Mm. Yes. Uh, some of it is stuff like restructuring plans, but they've also got a minority stake in LA Libations and going to start work, stop working at the Irwindale, California facility. And you they're, they're going to restructure the company with $95 million. And hey, look at this. We need Paps to buy that brewery for $95 million. $95 million. Yeah. <laughs> Pay right. for the restructuring, uh, Paps. Come on. You know uh, you know who else could probably pay for their restructuring? Who? Brewdog. Possibly now, yes. With uh, <laughs> taxidermied animals. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, Scottish... Uh, Craft beer maker Brewdog's U.S. operations have been posting a strong growth in 2019. Got uh, some stuff here from Brewbound, kind of explain a lot of the good, a lot of good news from from uh, Brewdog anyway. But yeah, uh, they've increased nearly 46 percent to 53,000 barrels in their uh, facility in Columbus, Ohio. Nothing to sneeze at. No, that's uh, I think the last story had how much. Uh, like founders or one of the other or yeah atwater has like twenty three thousand. yeah so they're uh, moving double what atwater is moving yeah uh and that's just like that's an atwater's entire operation that's yeah the, this it's, is just from a one facility in the u.s true but this has been like their 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 beginning of their stronghold for the u.s yeah uh in 2020 lambert uh they're adam lambert they're Chief <laughs> Revenue Officer. Yes, yeah, so that Adam Lambert. Who knew? Uh, uh, he said that they're uh, they're asking wholesalers to maintain focus on the company's core beer portfolio with occasional shifts to new product uh, lines. 
including non-alcoholic offerings in the AF uh, line and the Nitro series, as well as limited releases. Uh, I said, apart from Punk IPA, which is flat, everything else is growing like crazy. So it's going to continue to drive distro in those uh, day-in, day-out beers, along with the offerings coming up in our limited and amplified and the Nitro and the AFs. So there's a lot of fun and excitement going on. Uh, which they're like, oh, Punk is flat. Yeah, but like that's their that's their thing. Yeah, I mean it's it's their fat tire. <laughs> yeah, the headliners, Brew, uh, Brewdog's name for its core liner, lineup, uh, includes Punk IPA, the Elvis Juice IPA, Jet Black Heart Oatmeal Milk Stout, uh, Hazy Jane IPA. It's a lot of IPAs. Yeah. Uh, Coco Psycho Imperial Stout, Clockwork Tangerine IPA, and Lost Lager, accounting for more than 90% of its U.S. business. Hazy Jane is pretty good. Pretty good. Last year, Elvis Juice increased depletion, which is sales to retailers, 94%, and now accounts for 8% of the company's sales, while Hazy Jane uh, depletions grew 85%. Mm. And if you know us here on the show, once we understood what depletion was, we get real <laughs> excited to see it. Yeah, more data points. Come on. Oh, yeah. You Love can't see data. it because it's over on this part of my, my room, but there is a... Uh, crazy crazy person string line chart just like oh, <laughs> yes now Delicious. now i can start making projections uh with the way they grow i mean it's their ex expansion has been insane how many tap rooms have they opened did they open last year i'm not sure it's like four had... or five in the u.s yeah. like three within ohio alone so we know the one here <laughs> yeah but it's like it's not like they're pushing bad beer out of these places. Like, no, God, can attest like it's really good beer. Yeah, well, and they they last year they were growing into new markets. We got that listed down here: five new states and Washington D.C. And uh, they only attribute about six percent of the volume, but they're you know getting their getting their foot in. Uh, quarter, though, yeah. And they've added 23 new wholesalers to spread further into its existing uh, footprint. That's smart. Yeah. Yay. So, yeah. Uh, let me see if they have... Oh, uh, yeah, they have a list here of the, the some of the places they opened because they've got the brewery in Columbus, Ohio. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got one out in California and on the West Coast. Uh, and Cincinnati uh, and a tap room in Indianapolis and Pittsburgh. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, which are planned to come out later this year. Okay. All those locations make a lot of sense. Yeah. So. Okay. Now, here's a thing that may or may not make sense. <laughs> Papton or <laughs> I knew I'd do that. Papton. Ca ca Captain Papst. Papton Capst. <laughs> I haven't Captain even had anything to drink. Capst. <laughs> <laughs> I've had nothing to drink. Um. <laughs> so, uh, Papst launches craft beer brand Captain Papst. <laughs> Look, Pap's not, they're not going to lay down. They're opening their own tap rooms. They're like, no, craft. Yeah. Uh, with a flagship IPA. Um, I do have to say, I kind of like the label, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking at it going like, I kind of like that can. Yeah, yeah. I was like, damn, damn it. People keep going that way with the cans. They're like, no, they're like matte black, where it's just like all black and then it's one other sexy. color. You're like, no, that's a pretty sexy can. That's yeah. exactly what the barrel-aged narwhal cans look like. And I was like, mm. yeah. 
Yeah. Sexy. Uh, so Pabst Brewing Company is launching a line of craft beers as the craft segment has matured and sales of craft offerings have slowed to low single-digit growth. The LA headquartered maker of Pabst Blue Ribbon announced today the launch of Captain Pabst, a standalone craft beer brand outside of the PBR family, and the launch of its flagship offering, Seabird IPA, in Wisconsin and Illinois. That's a really specific launch. Uh, the so captain... They're sorry. going nautical-themed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, I mean, whatever. It's fine. Uh, the Captain Boy. Pabst li- line of beers pays homage to company namesake Frederick Pabst. Great name. Who was a ship captain on Lake Michigan before marrying into the family that owned Milwaukee-based uh, Best's Brewing Company, which was renamed for Pabst by 1889. Seabird IPA, which is brewed with Magnum, Citra, Cascade, and Mosaic hops, is named yeah, okay. for the last pa- or last ship Pabst captained. This is just like if you are <laughs> if you have been drinking, you're not getting through this. Uh, the beer checks in at four and a half percent ABV. Uh, 45 IBUs. Pabst reached the seabird on the shore of Lake Michigan's Whitefish Bay in an 1863 storm and then abandoned his nautical career for his father-in-law's brewery and died in 1904. Random tidbits. We do still have to do an episode on them, by the way. Yeah. I'm Um, I'm just, just wondering like they open up a new craft line. Is it craft? They still are, aren't they? I guess. Hold on. Continue on. I'm going to Google and and find out stuff. Uh, So Pabst is also rebranding its Milwaukee taproom and innovation brewery as Captain Pabst's Pilot House. The taproom will feature imaginative craft beer offerings, a menu of spirits that are blended and barrel-aged on site, and a new loyalty program called Blue Jacket Club according to the release. Its grand opening will be March 28th, which coincides with Pabst's 184th birthday. Uh, the Milwaukee Tap Room and Brewery opened in 2017 after a lengthy plan- pl- uh, planning process. At the time, its annual capacity was 4,000 barrels. Off-premise dollar sales of Pabst products in 2019 declined to nearly 8% to about $493.8 million, uh, according to market research firm. Uh, so it goes on about the sales and stuff. Um, do, do, do. 2018, they shipped four and a half million barrels, uh, down 10% from 2017. So their numbers haven't been great in the last few years, basically. Uh, Pabst products accounted for 2.1% of the American beer market in 2018. Beyond PBR, Pabst's portfolio includes regional offerings, Stroh's, Lone Star, National Bohemian, and uh, Renier question mark don't know how to say that uh, as well as hard soda brand not your father's ah I, I forgot that they they own them uh in november paps announced it had signed a long-term contract with the cigar or i'm sorry the city brewing company i saw the city and was like cigar city what yeah no every time i see that i'm okay. like oh, oh no it, it like very much messed with my head just now uh to transfer the majority of its production volume to the contract producers or brewery breweries by 2024 City Brewing operates breweries in Memphis, uh, La Trobe, Pennsylvania, and La Crosse, Wisconsin. Uh, earlier this month, Molson Coors, which also brews Pabst products under contract, 
announced it will cease operations at its brewery in Irwindale, California, and has given Pabst an exclusive option to purchase the facility for $150 million. Yeah, so um, Pabst is really trying to make this move to, to have things look up. <laughs> so Pabst cashing in on the craft craze, but do they qualify in your heart as craft? I think they're gonna yeah. they're gonna have a difficult time getting like saying this is our other line. This isn't PBR, you know. Yeah, they're gonna have a horrid time with that because hipsters are just still gonna be grabbing their PBRs and they're not even gonna look at this stuff. Do hipsters still grab PBRs? I don't know. I've seen it. Have you? Yeah. I I haven't seen hipsters consuming alcohol. I thought all the hipsters gave up drinking. No, they're all drinking white claw still too. Okay. <laughs> I can't. I'm having trouble finding exactly how much, how much uh, Pabst well, makes. It's it's hard to keep track of when they're showing like that when it, it's all contract brewed by different <laughs> breweries. Yeah. So it's like they only make you know however many barrels came out of the one. <laughs> they are they are playing a shell game. So I have no solid answer on whether they still count as craft. If their production is under six million barrels of beer, uh, then maybe. Well, uh, either way, the IPA doesn't sound horrible, and the the can looks awesome. For yeah, Viking in the I'm chat intrigued. saying yes, the last when he was in the industry. Uh, <laughs> well, that that hipsters were drinking Pabst. Yeah, <laughs> I well, mean, fine. yeah, that wasn't that long ago. All right. Uh, speaking of discount uh, beverages, <laughs> yes. Uh, pulling from Vine Pair here, two buck chuck is once again two dollars, but there's a catch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do like how this starts out. America's most iconic discount wine is once again living up to its nickname. <laughs> sure, sure. Charles Shaw, better known as Two Buck Chuck, is the bargain offering from supermarket tra- chain Trader Joe's. Introduced in 2002, the wine retailed at 199 for over a decade, giving to the rise of the moniker Two Buck Chuck. Or, yeah. Two bucks for how much it cost, and Chuck, because you threw it away. <laughs> oh, I guess also because Charles is in the name. But... I was going to say, obviously, that's. Yeah. Uh, 2013, however, the price of Charles Shaw rose to 249 and has since risen. To as much as three seventy nine in various states around the country. Well, now Charles is once again retailing in uh, at a dollar ninety nine, but only in California, says the Los Angeles Business Journal. Sure. Says we've been working with the producers of Charles Shaw to make some improvements packaging wise, so that uses less glass and the cork is a little bit different. Uh, Matt Sloan, the vice president of marketing at Trader Joe's. Uh, had said these costs, uh, cost savings have put us into a position where we can pass a lot of that savings right on to the customer. <laughs> only in California. Only in California. The price cut, which is reported to be permanent, only applies to California stores as transportation to other states brings added costs. Charles Shaw is produced by the uh, Bronco Wine Company in Modesta, California. So I've not looked. What does it cost at Trader Joe's now? I'm not sure. Uh, What I'm getting at here, is there an avenue for 
a secondary market of two buck chuck <laughs> can you take a road trip to california and buy it by the case and then resell it probably well there's so many different charles shaw's <laughs> that are two dollars so i don't know I, I don't think you're going to come out ahead on this uh they do have uh uh the price rollback is already in effect when a member of the Bay Area's new outlet uh, staff visited Trader Joe's location in San Francisco, they found four different Charles Shaw's wines on an offer of $1.99. The wines displayed beneath had handwritten signs declaring, Two Buck Chuck is back with a vengeance. Mm. Chuck Harder? I don't... Tasty, tasty revenge. That was the entire thing. Mm. Huh. Tasty revenge. <laughs> okay. So what was uh, Jungle Gems has a direct competitor to Two Buck Chuck? What was theirs? I think it's is it Four Buck Frank? No, I think it's like Two Bill Jill. Either way, two, these are all fantastic. Two two hundred dollars for a bottle of wine? I don't know how that's a competitor. <laughs> I mean, it's Jungle Gems. <laughs> they gotta pay uh, for those expansions somehow. I mean, maybe they could pay for it with. Uh, Wine-based hard seltzers. I know. Maybe that's the next step for uh, the old Chuck. The old Charles will get a two-buck seltzer. I don't know. In the meantime, uh, Barefoot is going to be launching the first wine-based hard seltzer. Mm. Canned wine wasn't uh, trendy enough for you? Well, how about wine-based hard seltzer? Uh, Barefoot, the (laughs) top-selling... Table, uh, I, I hate the name. Table, I hate the brand. table wine yeah. sounds bad. Table wine. Like I know what it is, but it just that does, that's not a good you term. Table it's, beer. It's wine. It's wine that comes from a table. Table beer is a thing as well. Uh, but the top selling table wine brand in the U.S. is looking to double down on its popularity by tapping into one of America's fastest growing alcohol categories, hard seltzer. But who isn't these days? On Wednesday, the E&J Gallo-owned brand announced it will release Barefoot Hard Seltzer this spring with cans set to hit shelves nationwide as early as February. That sentence starts to read as something you catch walking around without shoes on in southeastern Kentucky. (laughs) Oh, man. I I just ran out to the car real fast, and I was barefoot and got the hard seltzer. (laughs) It's like hookworm, only it turns into a douche. <laughs> You're just sitting back there you know, afterwards like, oh, God, my foot hurts. <laughs> well, hard seltzers are typically the product of brewed cane sugars. Barefoot's release blends wine, seltzer water, and natural flavors, according to the brand. Apart from this, Barefoot hard seltzer will follow the same formula that's led to hard seltzer category becoming so successful over the past two years. So I'm going to throw in two cents right there and say that it's probably not going to be as well received as the hard seltzers because it's not going to be as sweet. Yeah. Because they're not, it's not just like, let's boil down a bunch of sugar and jack that yeah. with some alcohol. They're like, they're being as cheap as possible. Like, we're just going to take our wine and carbonate it and water it down. <laughs> with, quote, natural flavors. Yeah. So, no, they're taking a big shortcut when I'm willing to bet they're just like cutting it straight from vats. <laughs> I was like, no, nope, we're going to take this wine, and we're going to push half of it over here and half of it over there. Probably. Uh, each 250 milliliter serving will contain just 70 calories, 2 grams of sugar, and 4% ABV. Wait, 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 wait. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> two fifty milliliter. Gotcha. My my brain was like, wait, what? <laughs> How big of a container are they serving that in? I was like, oh wait, that's not that's not as big as I was thinking. Okay. No, that's like two. It's what? a two fifty liter serving can. <laughs> For my brain was making it like a seven like. Picturing it as a 750 milliliter bottle, and I was like, Jesus, maybe no, they wanna, will be the p- winners. I want to picture a 250 liter can. <laughs> need to pop the tab on that, and you're just sitting there with like a team of people with the ropes just trying to pull that. Like, Jesus, it's so large. Four flavors are currently slated for release pineapple and passion fruit, cherry and cranberry, peach and nectarine, and strawberry and guava. See, this is how I know they're not natural. <laughs> couple of those don't exist. <laughs> Strawberry guava sounds good. Guava's not a real thing. <laughs> Doesn't actually exist anywhere. It was made in a lab. So were nectarines. Probably. <laughs> so were the the lemons that we buy on a daily basis. I say those new uh, Honeycrisp hybrid apples are made in the lab, and I'm, they are delicious. Mm. Honeycrisp? Isn't that a cereal? Do they cross <laughs> cereal into into apples? They did, and it's delicious. <laughs> I say it's great. Get on board, Bob. <laughs> At Barefoot, we are passionate about creating products that meet the various lifestyles and tastes of our diverse consumer base. And that whole time, I'm just picturing the diverse consumer base that's picking giant pieces of Honeycrisp cereal off of a tree <laughs> and eating it. Uh, like just like they're down at an orchard and they're just picking <laughs> yeah. down Honeycrisps, boxing all off the. <laughs> Off the tree, and you're just like, it's simple work, but it's honest. Fresh off the tree, pull it down, pop it open. Pull it down, pop it open, rip open the plastic bag. Like, (laughs) what? With Barefoot Hard Seltzer, we wanted to create a delicious and light-bodied wine-based hard seltzer that can be enjoyed at home, on the go, or with family and friends. It's a travesty. Jim, Jim makes a good point. It's not small. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, God. All right, well, uh, someone convinced me to take the gun out of my mouth. Uh, cold uh, brew coffee. That'll do it. <laughs> what if it What if it was also whiskey? I'm going to say alcoholic cold brew coffee. So, cold brew whiskey. This, On this, board. Can I just, I'm just fully behind this picture. This is fine. I want this in my life. Uh, Jameson releasing a cold brew flavor. That's I'm behind perfect. it, giving it the reach around. Yes. Perfect for your next Irish coffee, it says. Uh, there's a limited canon of drinks that are deemed acceptable to drink at brunch. <laughs> sure, you can have a mimosa or Bloody Mary, which are delicious, but other than that, your choices are slim. Sometimes uh, you don't want heartburn first thing in the morning. Maybe, yeah. Uh, so Jameson's coming out with a new cold brew whiskey that was made to take its rightful place on your brunch table. Specifically brunch, by the way. Uh, Jameson announced that it's releasing Jameson Cold Brew, a whiskey blended with the taste of cold brew coffee. While you may have spiked your morning cup of joe with straight whiskey before, yes, we've done that, uh, this was made to pair with uh, all of its flavors exactly. It's made with 100% Arabica beans from Brazil and Colombia, so it tastes like toasted oak, dark chocolate, and, of course, coffee. The whiskey is made to be enjoyed in an espresso martini on its own or poured right into a glass of cold brew. I need this right now. So, no, this is where <laughs> i got to come in. Uh, looking up, uh, they're just saying also, uh, we'll have a Jameson episode coming up for oh, yeah. uh, St. Patrick's Day. But 
we we watched a video about uh, the official Jameson, oh, like the how, Irish how to make an Irish coffee with Jameson. They're like, this is how you do it. And they come and they're like, since every household by now has a cappuccino machine, that this is what you, oh, you should use. Oh, it was use. an espresso, espresso machine. machine. And, and, and we were like, like, what have we been missing? Did we like, not get a note from... Holy like, crap. <laughs> I was like, no, they are more commonplace, but not nearly every household has an espresso machine to Just make picturing their... every household with a giant copper... Well, the one they had on the thing, thing was just like... It looked like a Keurig. Dear God, man! <laughs> that, well, the one they had was like a Keurig, but it was an espresso machine. It was like tiny. They, so they weird. Look, they were getting paid by uh, uh, George Clooney in Nespresso. <laughs> right. Uh, so Jameson Cold Brew is available right now in bars and liquor stores, and it's also available for pre-order on ReserveBar.com starting January 25th. Uh, so yesterday. In case you're somehow still wondering if this is a good idea, Jameson Cold Brew will only be sticking around for a limited time No, uh, So you'd be smart to snap it up quickly. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm like sorry, just, this as I'm going. I'm no, like, no! No! I want it. I want to try this so badly. Uh, I mean... Uh, Jim, sure. no, the, their recipe was not the original, and it was way too fancy. Like, halfway through, it was like, I'm not going through this much trouble. There was a lot of work. We were like, well, it's, we're done. It's, it's not just pour whiskey, add some sugar. In the co- I was waiting was for not. a tongue-in-cheek that was just going to be something along those lines. <laughs> Jameson no. coffee, done. They're like, no, we prefer to use these two artisanal sugars. That we've and, never heard of. And you should put some <laughs> nutmeg on it, and then whatever it was that he had pulled a grater out and was like grating mm-hmm. some lightly on the top of it. And he's like, you should it. only drink it through a cinnamon sipster. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like... And you're like, hmm, Bob's got a point. (laughs) I should do that for all of my drinks. Uh, All right. Well, on that note, uh, tasty notes. We'd like to remind everyone that this is our news only show, but we also do a weekly long form show discussing the science and history around what you drink or sometimes uh, random other topics. If you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, please go to patreon.com slash have a drink show. And we will see you again next time. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. We'll see you all in a little bit. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>